I'm Alexander Lawrence Ames, and this is Cloister Talk, the Pennsylvania German Material Texts podcast. Welcome to episode 14, The Pennsylvania Pilgrim, fireside poet John Greenleaf Whittier's interpretation of the Pennsylvania German, Quaker, and early abolitionist Francis Daniel Pastorius. In this episode, we will consider how a famous New England poet, with a strong affinity for Pennsylvania, came to write a poem and a book titled The Pennsylvania Pilgrim. We'll also consider what this important poem can teach us about the place of Pennsylvania in the larger American psyche. This podcast series explores topics covered in my new book, The Word in the Wilderness, Popular Piety and the Manuscript Arts in Early Pennsylvania, published by the Pennsylvania State University Press in 2020. There are many questions and ideas I address in the book that deserve further consideration, or, in the case of today's particular topic, ideas that I had wanted to include in the book but couldn't quite fit in from a thematic or word-count perspective. Each episode of Cloister Talk dives into these topics in a conversational format. If you'd like to learn more about the various ideas discussed on the podcast, please read my book, which you can order from psupress.org or request the book from your favorite local bookseller or library. A special book sitting on my bookshelf is a charming little 19th century volume written by John Greenleaf Whittier, one of the famous New England fireside poets who lived from 1807 to 1892. While rarely read by popular audiences today, the fireside poets were true celebrities in the mid to late 1800s and into the early years of the 20th century as well. The most famous by far was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, author of such classics as The Courtship of Miles Standish, The Song of Hiawatha, Paul Revere's Ride, and Evangeline. Other members of the Fireside Poets included William Cullen Bryant, James Russell Lowell, and Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr. Whittier was unique in this group in that, while a New Englander like the others, he was also a Quaker. He had a deep affinity with his religious tradition and, because of Quakerism's historic connection to Pennsylvania, felt a special bond to that state as well. It is fitting, then, that the volume on my shelf, of which I am so fond, is titled The Pennsylvania Pilgrim and Other Poems, published in Boston in 1872. In the poem, The Pennsylvania Pilgrim, which gave the book its title, Whittier offers an artistic treatment of the early Pennsylvania German-turned-Quaker Francis Daniel Pastorius, founder of Germantown, Pennsylvania, and a noted early American anti-slavery advocate who lived from 1651 to 1720. This last point is important for understanding John Greenleaf Whittier's particular interest in Pastorius. Whittier himself was a passionate and famous anti-slavery activist, and his poetry that earned him a national reputation was abolitionist in nature. In a way, the elegant verse about this admirable early Pennsylvanian seems like Whittier's answer to Longfellow's much more famous poem, The Courtship of Miles Standish. The name of Whittier's verse, of course, asks the reader to think about Pennsylvania in profoundly New England terms. Readers are aware that pilgrims landed at Plymouth, not Pennsylvania, at least in terms of the American historical imagination. 
By framing Pastorius as a pilgrim, Whittier invites the reader to reconsider how she or he might think about American history, and Pennsylvania's place in it, especially compared to New England. In an historical note that opens the book, Whittier offers an explanation for his poem and the title. Quote, the pilgrims of Plymouth have not lacked historian and poet. Justice has been done to their faith, courage, and self-sacrifice, and to the mighty influence of their endeavors to establish righteousness on the earth. The Quaker pilgrims of Pennsylvania, seeking the same object by different means, have not been equally fortunate. The power of their testimony for truth and holiness, peace and freedom, has been felt through two centuries in the amelioration of penal severities, the abolition of slavery, the reform of erring, the relief of the poor and suffering, felt in brief in every step of human progress, end quote. The lines of verse that Whittier offers as a prelude to his poem show how fond he was of Pennsylvania and Quaker spiritualism, and also reveal the fact that Pastorius, one of the most important early Pennsylvania Quakers, was also a Pennsylvania German, a pietist who converted to Quakerism and thus united various strands of post-Reformation Christianity present in Pennsylvania. Allow me to read the prelude of the poem to you now. Quote, I sing the pilgrim of a softer clime and milder speech than those brave men's who brought to the ice and iron of our winter time a will as firm, a creed as stern, and wrought with one mailed hand and with the other fought. Simply as fits my theme in homely rhyme, I sing the blue-eyed German Spainer taught, through whose veiled mystic faith the inward light, steady and still, an easy brightness shone, transfiguring all things in its radiance white. The garland which his meekness never sought, I bring him, over fields of harvest sown with seeds of blessing, now to ripeness grown, I bid the sower pass before the reaper's sight. This poem is interesting to me for so many reasons, but for purposes of today's podcast episode, I will focus on two. First, it is fascinating that as early as the mid-1800s, Whittier was commenting on the New England Pilgrims and Puritans' dominance in the American historical imagination, going so far as to decry the perceived lack of attention paid to Quakers. Second, in this prelude, Whittier points out that Pastorius's religious DNA was indebted to continental European pietism, as articulated by Philip Jakob Spener, and even the mysticism that continued to circulate throughout European Christian circles in the early modern period. That Pastorius became an important early voice for abolitionism proved the merit of his religious background and the rich intellectual and social climate in Pennsylvania, as far as Whittier was concerned. So who was this Francis Daniel Pastorius, and why does he matter? In short, Pastorius was an all-around German-American Renaissance man. Born in 1651 into a privileged German family, Pastorius was educated as a lawyer, but grew disgusted by the worldly pleasures of European life at the time. He fell under the influence of Lutheran pietists advocating for a renewal of the church, and eventually led an effort to settle Germans in Pennsylvania, hoping to devote his life to spiritual cultivation there. In 1683, he settled Germantown, near Philadelphia, helping to set into motion the wider German immigration pattern that became so important to the colony's development and to the eventual cultural life of the state up to this day. 
Somewhat isolated in Pennsylvania, Pastorius eventually joined the Society of Friends and thus became part of the colony's Quaker community. He had an impressive career as a teacher and public official, leaving a long legacy after his passing in 1719. He was also an important contributor to Pennsylvania's manuscript culture, though not in the same way as the Mennonites, Schwenkfelders, and others who populate the pages of my book, The Word in the Wilderness. As a linguist, natural scientist, spiritualist, and gifted intellectual, Pastorius gathered information in manuscript encyclopedias, the most famous of which he called his beehive, using the image of bees carrying pollen back to a hive to make treasured honey as a metaphor for the gathering of tidbits of information as a path to knowledge and wisdom. The manuscript writings of Pastorius continue to fascinate readers today, hundreds of years after they were created. His robust intellectual method enabled him to apply the principles of Quaker spirituality to the question of human enslavement, taking notable form in a collaborative written work titled Quaker Protest Against Slavery, and other works, many of which existed during his lifetime only in manuscript. Those of you who are already familiar with the word in the wilderness probably see why neither Pastorius nor Whittier are dealt with in my book because they fall somewhat outside of my area of analytical focus on the Mennonites, Schwenkfelders, mystical spiritualists, and other producers of illuminated religious manuscripts between 1750 and 1850. But I still feel inclined to highlight these two characters as part of a broader conversation about how we conceptualize the place of Pennsylvania in American history. Pastorius is certainly an historical actor as fascinating as any of the early Pilgrim and Puritan settlers of New England, and one who, with his abolitionist stance, presaged the fight for freedom and equality that would come to characterize American life. Yet like so many other Pennsylvania Germans, his story has become obscured in the grand, by and large, English narrative of U.S. history over time, and later commentators like John Greenleaf Whittier have had to work to unearth it. The funny thing is that Whittier's point about New England's having received plenty of attention as a crucible of American cultural identity at the expense of other regions and cultures is true today as it was during his own lifetime. Whittier's poem, and the book with which it shares a title, is a lasting testament to the role of writers and thinkers in constructing narratives of national history. Any listeners interested in reading The Pennsylvania Pilgrim and learning more about John Greenleaf Whittier's other writings should know that the entire book is available for free via the Internet Archive at archive.org. Just go to their homepage and search for The Pennsylvania Pilgrim. Whittier is most famous today for his poem Snowbound, A Winter Idol, which I also highly recommend as a wonderful read on a winter afternoon or evening. Anyone curious to learn more about Francis Daniel Pastorius himself and read works by this great early American thinker should get a copy of The Francis Daniel Pastorius Reader, edited by Patrick M. Urban, Alfred L. Brophy, and Margot M. Lambert, and published by the Pennsylvania State University Press in 2019. You can even browse through Pastorius's famous Beehive manuscript online, seeing as it has been digitized by the University of Pennsylvania Libraries. Also, as it were, the Rosenbach, my place of work, owns an interesting document connected to Pastorius's life in Pennsylvania. 
It is a Frankfurt Land Company agreement detailing the purchase of land in Pennsylvania for the settlement of Germantown, dated November 12, 1686. An image of the document is available at wordandwilderness.com sources. On the next episode of Cloister Talk, we will continue our conversation about the place of Pennsylvania in the American imagination, but through the lens of prose historical writing rather than poetry. If you are interested in purchasing a copy of The Word in the Wilderness to learn more about how Pennsylvania's early German speakers fit into the wider landscape of American religious history, please visit psupress.org. Also, check out the book's companion website, wordandwilderness.com, for more information. You may also request the book from your favorite local bookseller or library. Please note that Penn State Press is a nonprofit scholarly publisher and part of the Penn State University Libraries. Your purchase of the book supports the work of nonprofit peer reviewed academic publishing, a vital component of the United States information landscape in the 21st century. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to continuing our conversation on the next episode of Cloister Talk. <laughs>